I want you to open up, if you've got your Bible here in Agai. I'm going to read to you again the passage that we are working out of. Today we're going to talk the second part of procrastination. Uh, Haggai chapter 1 verse 1, In the second year of King Darius, in the sixth month of the first day of the month, the word of the Lord came by Haggai the prophet to Zerubbabel the son of Sethil. He was the governor of Judah. So God sent the word to the highest authority, the legal highest authority. And to Joshua, the son of Zeozadak, the high priest, saying, Thus speaks the Lord of hosts, saying, This people say, The time has not come, the time that the Lord's house should be built. And we saw last week why. Because they spent their time on themselves. They didn't spend all that time on God. Richard, is, the camera is going up. So... They, uh, they spent all of that time there. Then the word of the Lord came by Haggai the prophet saying, It is time for yourselves to dwell in your paneled houses. You see, you look after yourself. You built yourself these beautiful houses and you, you brag with your friends of how beautiful your places are. And this temple lie in ruins. Now therefore, thus says the Lord of hosts, consider your ways. You have sown so much, and bring in a little, you eat, but you do not have, you drink, but you are not filled with drink, you clothe yourself, but no one is warm, and he who earns wages, earns wages, put it into a bag with holes. And we had a good chuckle about that last week, didn't we? It feels sometimes like you work and you don't know where all the money is going. There's all these holes that strip your money away from you. Keep on working, 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 and the boss wants more hours. And the government don't want to pay more. Let's not go there. Thus says the Lord of hosts, consider your ways. Go up into the mountain and bring wood and build the temple that I may take pleasure in it and be glorified, says the Lord. You looked for much, but indeed it came to little. And when you brought it home, it blew away. Why? It's a rhetorical question. Why? Why does all of these things happen? One would think that you sit down and you ask the question, do introspection, pull up a balance sheet about your life. This is what it is all about, says the Lord of hosts. Because my house that is in ruins, while every one of you runs to his own house, and may I add in there, your own paneled house, your beautiful house, your place of, of habitat, Therefore, heavens above you will hold the dew, and the earth withholds its fruit. For I called for a drought on the land and the mountains on the grain. This is what people eat. On the new wine, that brings them pleasure. And on the oil, that brings them healing. Those three things. Think about that. It's amazing, isn't it? What happens if you stop eating? You get sick. You're not, you're not happy. And these three things are affected by this. For I called for a drought on the land, says the Lord, on these things. On whatever the ground brings forth, on men and livestock, and on all the labor of your hands. Remember what I said last time, there's a threefold application. There's a local application, a prophetic application, and a personal application. And these things affect us as much as it affected them. 
Let it be known. If you turn your back on God, you're on your own. Let it be known. And I don't want to walk in this world right now without God. I'm telling you straightforward. You're in for a very, very, very troublesome time without God. Let me say it, brother and sister, you can lose everything, but do not lose God. He's the one who will sustain you. He's the one who will keep you. And this is what this man says to us. This prophet, he wrote, he came, the word of God came to him, and he walked up to the highest authority. He says to Zerubbabel, he says to him, and then he goes to the priest. The authority from God and the authority of man, and he addresses them and he says, where do you spend your time? It is important that God is number one in your life. And I want to say it again, I do not want to be found anywhere in the world today without the Holy Spirit of God. If you haven't got the Holy Spirit of God, you haven't got God. If you haven't got God, you haven't got Jesus Christ. It is a personal relationship with Him. That is what will sustain you. Nothing else. You can work yourself to the bone to get more money in, to have a better life. You can do whatever you want to do. But it will be like a bag full of holes and you will not be satisfied in life. If you haven't got Christ, you haven't got peace. And the world is so, so running and searching for peace. Peace, peace, peace. Peace in the world, peace in their marriages, peace in their relationships, peace at work, peace at self. So many people aren't at peace with themselves. And the only place you can, and the world is running to various places to find peace. They run to alcohol, they run to drugs, they run to the wrong friends, they run to the government, they run to Centrelink, they run, can I just go on? But the one place they do not want to run to is they don't want to run to God. And you know what Haggai the prophet says this morning? He says, you will bring much in, but the wind will blow it away. So the message is, is what? Stand with God. Walk with God. Spend time with God. I don't matter. Listen, it doesn't matter to me this morning where you are in your life. He's the only one. He's the only one that will bring peace into your life. The only one. Now we saw this last week. We spoke about procrastination. We saw how God brought His people out with a mission. King Cyrus told them, you need to go back and build the temple. God gave this vision and this urge on a pagan's heart, not even the children of God. He stirred this man's heart up to go back and build a house for God, a dwelling place for God amongst the people. And they came out, and they built the walls, and they start with the foundation. And people will say to me, what's wrong with the foundation? You can't build a proper building without foundations. But the problem is, a lot of people just stay at foundation states. Even in the church today, a lot of people come and they say, Look, the Lord has saved my soul, I'm born again, and that's it, and they sit back. Yes, the foundation is laid, but you need to build on the foundation. Paul brings this out. He says some people build on it with what? Wood and stubble. You remember that in the book of Romans? He says, oh, in Corinthians, he says, some built by wood and stubble. What happens with those things? It burns out fast. He says, no, we need to build on the foundation with what? 
with gold and silver, things that last and can be purified. Who's the foundation? Come on, you tell me. Jesus is the foundation. He's the rock. He brought me out of the miry clay. He set my feet on the rock to stay. On the rock. The rock is the foundation. Here these people came out. They laid the foundation. The temple is going to be built. I can see the excitement in the people's hearts and minds. But then what happened? They started looking after themselves. And they started building houses for themselves. And 16 years. 16 years the foundation laid there. And they started procrastinating. That's what we've heard. Now the question is, how do we get out of procrastination? And the theme of today's message is, obey the voice of God. That's what it is. Remember there's four sermons in this short little book. This is sermon number one. We need to get our priorities right. Because if your priorities is not right, you will procrastinate in the works of God. What works? We've heard it this morning. The Holy Spirit is so evident in this place. My brother brought the word of God this morning. What works then? Believe in Him. Spend time with Christ. Walk with Him. Learn from Him. Hear from Him. It's all there. And it's all here this morning. So, obey the voice of God. You just got to follow this now, this morning. I want to speak into your spiritual heart this morning, your spiritual procrastinated heart this morning, this message. Obey the voice of God. This is what we saw. But I first want to just look at verse 7 quickly. It says, thus says the Lord of hosts. Do you see that? I want you to understand that when Haggai stood in front of these, the highest authority and the priest and the people, that he stood in the power of the Lord of hosts. I want you to understand how powerful that word was to those people and how powerful that word is to you and me this morning. It's not just a mere man who's preaching it to you. Through this mere man comes the word of God, the Lord of hosts. The same as it was through Haggai. Listen when he says, thus says the Lord of hosts. That name, that title, Lord of hosts, has been used 300 times in the Old Testament. 300 times, 14 times by this prophet in two chapters. 14 times. It, it carries with it the power of God. I want you to understand this perfectly, the first appearance of this name. Remember, do you believe that God wrote the whole Bible? Who believes that? So, specifically written the very first time that this title is used, is in 1 Samuel chapter 1 verse 3. He says, and, thus, and this man went up to his city yearly to worship and sacrifice unto the Lord of hosts. There it is, in Silo. This was Elkanah. He went up every year. And here for the first time, he then worshipped the Lord of hosts. In Silo, and the two sons, Eli, Ophni, and Pinias, the priest of the Lord, were there. Brother and sister, you say, why are you starting this morning? I want you to understand that God do not use, need you and me to be God. He doesn't need you to be God. You see, on God's plane, 
when he looks over his plane, there is nobody else like him. If I look on my plane, where there's a lot of people, you are on my plane. If I go out in the world and I think I'm so strong, bring me weights and I tell you how much I can, there's always going to be one who lifts up more. There's always going to be one taller. There's always going to be one stronger and one more clever. So we're not alone on our level. There's always somebody better than us. Isn't that true? Somebody said, the older I get, the better I was. That's so true. You can listen to all the people's stories. You know, the putt when they played golf was, was not only that far, now it was a four-meter putt. The older I get, the better I was. But friends, on God's level, there is nobody but God. He looks around to me. There's nobody who can, who can, who can compete with Him. This is the Lord of hosts that Elkanah went up to and prayed to. This is the Lord of hosts that you pray to. This is the Lord of hosts who speak through Haggai to the people. This is the Lord of hosts who speak to you and me this morning. But listen, the Lord is sovereign over the armies of heaven and earth. This is what that name means. In 1 Samuel chapter 17 verse 45, the word of God says, Then said David to the Philistine, You come to me with a sword and with a spear. Who remember who this man is? He was a big man. You see, on David's plane, this man was a big man. He says, You come with me with a sword and a spear and with a shield. But I come to thee in the name of who? The Lord of hosts. Hallelujah. There is no army on the earth that touches this Lord of hosts. He says, I come to you in the name of the Lord of hosts, the God of the armies of Israel, whom thou hast defied. So he is the Lord of the host of the armies of the earth. In uh, Psalm 24 verse 7, the psalmist say, Lift up your heads, O ye gates, and be ye lifted up, ye everlasting doors, and the King of glory shall come in. Who is the King of glory? Who is the King of glory? What a question. I love it. The Lord, strong and mighty. The Lord mighty in battle. We sing songs like that today. But people don't believe what they sing because they don't understand the power of this God. The Lord of mighty in battle. Verse 9 says, Lift up your heads, O ye gates. Even lift them up, you everlasting doors. And the King of glory shall come in. But remember, he asked the question, Who is this King of glory? Who is this King of glory? Oh world! Oh listen to me Melbourne today! Who is this King of glory? Listen to what he says himself. He answers it in verse 10. Who is this King of glory? Repeats the question. The Lord of hosts. He is the King of glory. And then he uses a little word there. Selah. You want to know what that word means? Ponder. Think about it. Think about it. Brother and sister, let me say it under the fear of the Lord. You are not dealing with a higher power, with a spirit. You are not dealing with Him. You are dealing with the Lord of hosts. 
the mighty, powerful, sovereign God of hosts. So when he comes to these people, this mighty God, and he stands in front of them, he says, listen to me, thus is the word of God of the hosts, the armies of heaven and earth. You're spending your time at the wrong place. This is why your life is so shattered. This is why you haven't got peace. This is not a counselor on the earth. This is not a, 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 a you know, somebody, a psychologist. No, no, this is the, the supreme word of God that he comes through. And what does this word says to the people? He says to them, consider your ways. Think about your ways. That came out of the King James Version when he says, consider your ways. I love the New King James Version. He says, so says Jehovah of hosts. It's the same. I love the King James because Lord, like that in the Old Testament, always shows the title of God. This is his title. It's a powerful title. Okay? He says, set your heart on your ways. This is what it means to consider your ways. Set your heart on your ways. What does it mean? It means in Hebrew to put your heart on your roads. What does it mean, preacher? It is a reflection of which direction your life is going. And to ask yourself now if you really want to go down that direction. This is what it means. You and I know, you know where you're heading. You've chosen the path that you're heading. Now he says, think about where you're going. Think about the time you're spending it on. Look at the temple. 16 years, the foundation is right. Let me translate it to you and me. You say that the Lord saved your soul. You've got the rock and foundation, Jesus, in your life. But you're doing nothing. Now he says, think about that. You're going down this life of doing nothing. Do you really still want to continue down that line? And see how there's holes in your bag where the wages goes in, where what you gather just blows away. Now listen to me carefully. We're not worshipping and praising God to become prosperous financially. That's a teaching that's in a lot of churches today. This is not that kind of teaching. This is setting your priorities right where you put Christ first and everything follows. So now you've got to just follow with me. Remember, Procrastination is not taking time to complete a task. And there is a consequence for not giving God time. There is consequences for that. And we saw last week that God's work must come before our work. And we also saw that God's ways must come before our ways. Now how do we get out of that? How do we get out of procrastination? Follow this now. In Haggai chapter 1 verse 8 he says, Go up to the mountain and bring wood. And build the temple that I may take pleasure in it and be glorified, says the Lord. He talks about wood here. And, and in those days the temple were built with wood. Now this is fascinating to me. This is not an easy job. To go up onto the mountains. And when I think about the wood, I go back to the book of Ezra. And I think, what happened with the wood when they came there? Look at this, Ezra chapter 3 verse 7. And they gave money also unto the masons and to the carpenters, 
And by the way, that's not the Freemasons, okay? Different message. And to the carpenters, and meat, and drink, and oil, and to them of Zidon. And to them of Tyre, listen to this now, to bring cedar trees from Lebanon to the sea of Joppa, according to the grant that the king of Cyrus, Cyrus the king of Persia, gave. Wait a minute, 16 years ago, they had it easy. Why? Because God gave an instruction to a pagan king to give them all these things to go and build God's house. They are trees coming on the water. That was so easy. Can you see? But this is the problem, brother and sister. God wants to look after his children, but you turn your back on him. You know what? If you want to come out of your procrastination and get your priorities right, it's not going to be so easy. It's a tough ride. Now they've got to go up on the mountains. And yes, there's no hydraulic lifts that they could just get the trees down the mountain. They had to chop these trees down and they had to take the branches off and get the big trunks. And there was no trucks, diesel engine trucks, which they could load, a load full of them and build roads and drive the stuff down the mountains. No, they had to walk up the mountains and they had to cut these trees off. It's hard work, it's hard toil. They had to clean these trees and they had to bring them down now themselves. Brother and sister, there's no freelancers. Sometimes if you have to work, you've got to put shoulder in and you do the work. And I'll tell you this morning one thing in the Word of God. God is against laziness. I gave you the scriptures last week in the book of Proverbs. Now these people had to go up and walk up the mountain and bring down this wood. But I love it. Because look at the next verse here. Haggai chapter 1 verse 12. Then Zerubbabel, the son of Zetel, and Joshua, the high priest, with all of the remembrance of, God, of the people, listen to this now, they obeyed the voice of Jehovah their God and the words of Haggai the prophet and Jehovah their God had sent him and the people feared before Jehovah. So he gave them an instruction there. He says, go and bring the wood. We saw that, and, and I often wonder, what happened to this wood that came from the cedars from Lebanon? Was it maybe lying there for 16 years in a shipyard, rotting away? Or maybe, maybe, I don't know. Maybe they started going in there because this was prime timber. The cedars from Lebanon was prime timber. Maybe they saw that and they started going in there and started using that timber on their paneled houses. Let me say, in today in the church, there's a lot of people who steals from God. And, and by the way, I'm not talking about your tithing. That's not my message. They are stealing time from God. Because that's what the message is about. They're stealing time from God. They've got their priorities wrong. They're building up their own lives. And here we see that that wood has just disappeared. They just can't walk into the shipyard and go, now we're going to build. It's gone. Maybe on their penalty houses, maybe rotten. But God says, go up and do it. And what did they do? They went up the mountain. And I love this part. You say, how can I get out of the laziness in my spiritual life? This is the answer. Obey the voice of God. 
because he will tell you one step at a time what to do. What was the first thing he told them? Go up the mountain. Cut down those trees. Bring them down. It's going to be hard. One of them might fall on your foot and break your foot. It's going to be sore. Let me tell you, those people who preach to you and say the Christian life is a walk in the park, it's easy, they are lying to you. I'll tell you straightforward. It is a tough road. We will get persecuted. Sometimes we will doubt. Oh, don't you look at me and think it's only you, preacher. No, we all doubt from time to time. We come into a point where we say, Lord, you know what? It, you know, we, we low. You know, these things are going to happen when you go up the mountain. These things are going to happen in, in you sweating and you chopping down the tree and it falls over and you put so much effort into that thing. And once you cut the branches down and there's a softness on the trunk, then you break it over and there's a lot of termites in. And you've spent all that time to get this one cedar down and it's rotten and it's not working. What do you need to do? Obey the voice of God. Do it again. Do it again. And God will honor that. I'm going to show that. No, no. The Word of God will show that to you this morning. So now we see how we get rid of this procrastination. is obey the voice of Jehovah their God. That's what they did. Obedience means it's a compliance with an order. A compliance. Do you know what compliant means? It means 100% I'm doing what I'm asked. That's what obedience means. It's compliance with an order or a request or a law or a submission to another's authority. Your obedience will affect your actions. Selah. <laughs> Think about it. Your obedience will affect your actions. If you're not going to obey the road rules of this law, of this government, and the, the, the little sign there next to the road, it's not a lollipop, it's a sign, it says 60 and you go 100, what does it mean? You are breaking the law. So you're, you're disobedient, it affected your actions and you broke the law. So the police officer pulls you over and you go, oh, where's the sign? I didn't see the sign. Are you going to get off? No. So that is what happens. Now let's quickly have a look. First of all, what is the purpose of obedience? What is the purpose of obedience? Look at verse 8. The Lord said to them, go up on the mountain, bring wood down. And we saw now that they obeyed it. The purpose of obedience is that I may take pleasure in it and be glorified. How beautiful is that? The purpose for you to obey God is so that God... The Lord of hosts can do what? Can take pleasure in it. That's why we obey God. That He can take pleasure in it. And be glorified. Oh, there you were and you took the biggest tree and you, you chop it off and He fell down. Oh, look at me. No, no, you don't take any glory for that. God takes glory for the obedience. Because remember again, your obedience will impact your, your, your actions. If you obey God, it will impact your actions. And people will look upon your actions and give glory to God. This is what all the, the look, all the apostles wrote about this. 
They said, do work in front of the unbelievers that they can praise God because of the works that you do. This is why a child of God, this is why you as a Christian, if you call yourself a Christian, needs to be the best employee in your workplace. That's when you chop down that tree in your workplace. When the boss walks out and everybody kicks back, you're the one who keeps on working. That's how you chop the tree down. That's how you stay obedient to God. You get where the drift is going. Because your obedience will affect your actions and people are seeing your actions. And that's what you will be measured by. And it will bring pleasure and glory to God. Look at 1 Samuel chapter 15 verse 22. Remember when he said to them, when he came to King Saul... He said, does the Lord delight in burnt offerings and sacrifices as much as obeying the Lord? It's not all the works that you physically do. It's just obeying the Lord. And that will impact your actions. But first obey the Lord. To obey is better than sacrifice and to eat is better than the fat of rams. But listen, Jesus said it himself in Luke chapter 11 verse 27. And it happened as he spoke these things that a certain woman from the crowd raised her voice and said to him, Blessed is the womb that bore you and the breast that nursed you. What did Jesus say? But he said, sharp contrast, more than that. What can be more than that? I would have thought that is the ultimate Compliment that somebody can give somebody. And Jesus said, more than that, more, more than that, blessed are those who hear the word of God and keep it. That word they for keep is obey it. To whom does that bring pleasure? To God. To whom does that bring glory? To God. We need to obey God's voice, people. We need to obey it. You see, these days I see so many Christians, they want to live a righteous life, and they concentrate so much more on the actions, but they do not concentrate on the obedience to God. If you obey the obedience of God, your actions will be sorted out. Believe you me. The Holy Spirit will help you with your actions. But obey the Word of God. And Peter writes the same. He says, as obedient children, not confirming yourselves to the former lust as in your ignorance. So we see the purpose for obedience is what? Is to please, it brings pleasure to God and it brings glory to God. Secondly, we see what is the cost of disobedience. So if you sit here today and you say, oh preacher, come on, just get over it, you know. Get over it, you know, and you're not obeying God's word. Well, guess what? There is a cost. And I see so many people walking under this cost. In Haggai chapter 1 verse 9 we find this cost. He says, you looked for much, but indeed it came to little. And when you brought it home, I blew it away. Why? Again, there's the question, says the Lord of hosts. Because of my house that is in ruins, again, your priorities is not right, you're not obeying my word, while every one of you run to his own house. Therefore, application word, therefore, the heavens above you will hold the dew, and the earth withholds its fruit. For I called for a drought in the land in the mountains, and the grain and the new wine and the oil, and I've already explained to you these things. 
These are the three most basic things that people are looking for today in life. Grain is food. That's what a lot of people worry about. What am I going to eat tomorrow? And the wine is, is joy. Oh, I want to be happy. I want to enjoy life. And the oil is health. What's going to happen with my health? Whereas it is so beautiful when you obey God. What happens? All of those things goes into His hands. Look, I can read now for you out of Matthew chapter 6. Matthew chapter 6, he says, Do not worry about the day of tomorrow, because it will worry about its, old, its own things. Don't worry what you're going to eat or what you're going to wear. And then he brings birds in. He says, isn't birds more, aren't you more valuable than birds? Isn't God feeding the birds? And about what you're going to close. Isn't, you know, the flowers in the... And, you know, this is the things that we need to think about. But people are so fretting about these things. He says, for I call the drought on these things. Or whatever the ground brings forth for men and livestock and all of the labor and hands. And you say, wait a minute, that's harsh. That's really harsh for God to do this to these people. But here is a key that you need to understand this morning. They were warned. God warned them that this is going to happen. You say, oh, preacher, bring it to me. Where did God warn them? You know, here they are. They lived nice for 16 years in the houses. What's wrong with that? The house of God wasn't built. They disobeyed God's. They disobeyed God's voice. And now I'm telling you, according to the prophet, there is a cost for disobedience. Let me show you, because they also had a Bible. Their Bible was the Pentateuch. The first five books of the Bible. And it was written right in there. That if they disobey God, these things would happen. Look. In Deuteronomy chapter 28 verse 38. They've already had this. This was the teachings that was passed on from generation to generation. What did it say? It said, you shall carry much seed out into the field, but carry little. Look at this. You will take a lot of seed out of the field... But gather little in. He says there, you look for much, but indeed it came to what? To little. And when you brought it home, he says you will carry it out of the field. When you brought it home, I blew it away. Wow, the word of God is so wonderful, isn't it? And then he says, he says, it, he says you shall carry it little for the locust shall come and it will consume it. You shall plant vineyards. You see, there's the wine. There's the wine. He says you will plant vineyards. We had wine up here at the top. He said you'll plant vineyards and tend them, but you shall neither drink of the wine nor gather the grapes, for the worms shall eat them. You shall have olive trees. You see, there's the oil. You shall have olive trees throughout all of your territory, but you shall not anoint yourself with the oil, for your olive shall drop off. What are you saying this morning? There is a cost. For disobeying God's voice. There is a cost. God is looking for obedience. Obey His voice. He say, bring it home to me. Make it practical to me. You hear God's voice preached. The Holy Spirit touch your heart. And you know that you need to address something in your life. Oh man, I want to say to you brother and sister. Sir, madam. Ladies and gentlemen, man, woman, whatever you want to be called this morning, I want to say to you, if the Holy Spirit speaks to you and you need to obey, otherwise there's a cost for disobedience.
It's not I'm saying it, it's the word of God. Let me finish this morning. Because there is uh, what we saw, a purpose for obedience is to bring pleasure and to glorify God. We saw the cost for disobedience, but there is a beauty of obedience. The beauty of obedience. What is the beauty of obedience? It says it here in Haggai chapter 1 verse 12. He says, and they obeyed the voice of Jehovah their God and the words of Haggai the prophet. And this is where the beauty of this comes in. And you need to hear this this morning. This sermon will be not complete if you don't hear this. It says it there, then Haggai, then Haggai, Jehovah's messenger spoke the message of Jehovah to the people saying, I am with you. This is the most beautiful words that a child of God can ever hear. Is what? Is if the Lord of hosts, this is why I spent so much time in the beginning of the sermon to explain to you the sovereign God, the God of hosts. This is why. This is the crescendo. This is the drum roll, okay? This is where all comes together. The beauty of obedience is if this Lord of hosts come and He turns to you because you obeyed His voice and He says to you and me, I am with you. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. You know what I want to say? I want to say, praise you, Lord. Praise you. What happens when you disobey God? I'm not with you. Can you hear the drum roll? Can you hear the crescendo of I am with you? The beauty of this beautiful, this beautiful obedience. I haven't got this on there because it just came up, but let me just read you another verse. Another verse. This is so beautiful. In Matthew chapter 28. Matthew, the last part of Matthew 28, where we find the Great Commission. The 11 disciples went out to Galilee by now and Jesus appointed them and he said to them, all authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. And he now he says to them, go therefore and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son and the Holy Spirit. So many people are afraid to do this. They're so afraid to do this, to go out into the highways and the byways. The same beauty of obedience is written here in the last parts of the very last verse of the book of Matthew uh, 28 verse 20. He says, teaching them to observe all things that I've commanded you. That means teach them to obey my voice. And lo, this is now Jesus Christ. He says, I am with you always, even, even to the end of age. And all he's asking you and me this morning is obey my voice. Obey the voice of God. How do you get out of procrastination? Obey the voice of God. My brother read it this morning and I just, my eyes fell on it. I have to read it to you. I can't stop without reading the word of God. And hopefully, brother, you see this is not stories. This is the pure word of God. In Romans chapter 8. When my brother read it this morning, it just I, my eyes glanced over it and I thought, how convenient, because I'm preaching about it this morning. I don't see these things happen by chance, by the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. Look at this now, Romans chapter 8, verse, verse um, um, 
verse 37, 31. Yeah, that's it. Uh, what then shall we say to these things? What then shall we say to these things? We're living in times. Who knows that it's difficult times we're living in? It's fretful times. And let me tell you, it's going to get worse. Those, those so-called so self-proclaimed apostles and, uh, and, and preachers who stand prosperity and saying, oh, the world's going to be fine. God's going to get rid of everything. We're going to all be happy. That's all rubbish, okay? Let me tell you this. It's going to get worse. This world is getting worse by the day. And now, in the midst of that, what then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? The beauty of obedience this morning I present to you. The beauty of the prophet saying to this church this morning, I am with you. Doesn't matter what comes against you. I'm with you. It's so beautiful. He, he who did not spare his own son, but delivered him up for us. Listen to this, people. He who did not spare his own, but he delivered him for us. How shall he not be with him? Also freely give us all things. The one who did not spare his son through the prophet this morning, say to you and me, my child... My child, I'm with you. But there is a condition. You have to obey the word of God. You say, ah, oh, but that's only words that you... Uh, let, 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 I'm on fire now with the word. Just hold on. Isaiah, Isaiah chapter 59. I cannot stop before I give you the scripture this morning. Because you say, you just say, it's a condition now. Listen, he says, if you obey the voice of God, I'm with you. Listen, Isaiah chapter 59. Behold, the Lord's hand is not shortened, that it cannot save, nor his ear heavy, that it cannot hear. So, that verse says that God is ready to help you in your circumstances. Am I right or wrong? He says, my, hand, my, my arm is there. My ear is there. He says, come unto me, you who are thirsty, and I will give you water. What is the water representing? The Holy Spirit. This is in, in I know I'm all over the scriptures this morning, my brother, but this, just bear me out. He says this in the book of John. He says, and water will gush from the inner mouth. Out. Thus he spoke of the Holy Spirit who will be in you and with you. God's there. He wants to help, but he's looking for obedience as well. Obey God. Now listen to this. His, his arm, he says, is not short, that he cannot save, nor is his ear heavy. And then in the next verse, Isaiah 59 verse 2, he says, but, what is that word? It's a very theological word. Sharp contrast. What then, Lord? But your iniquities have separated you from your God, and your sins have hidden his face from you, so that he will not hear you. Wow, that's, that's a hard word. The first time when that scripture came live to me, it is, I got this vision of God's looking, and it goes like this. I don't want to see that anymore. I don't want to look. Who thought that Haggai was going to be a powerful book like this? 
Aye. Next week, we'll look at the second sermon out of this book. Be here. Come and listen. Because next week, he's going to talk to them about looking forward and not back. Look forward and not back. Who knows what happened with Lot's wife? Yes. Have Lot spoken to your heart this morning? He certainly has spoken to my heart. So we see the first sermon that we finish is putting self ahead of the Lord. And what we have learned is what Matthew chapter 6 verse 36 says. But seek ye first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. That's a wonderful scripture to end with. God's people rose up and put the Lord first in their lives in this passage. It says there that Zerubbabel and the people came together, they obeyed the word of the Lord. And you know what? God came to them, and this is the beauty of that obedience. He said, I am with you. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you this morning for your word, which is so powerful. It is alive. It's sharper than a two-edged sword. It cuts between bone and marrow, spirit and soul, and is the discerner of the heart. Thank you, Lord, that you've discerned my heart this morning. You've cut my heart this morning. Father, help us to obey your voice when you speak to listen. And then, when we listen and obey, that impact our actions. Father, I pray that you go with these people this more this week. I pray, Father, that you guide us with your Holy Spirit. Train our minds and our hearts, Lord, to obey you in Jesus' name. Amen.